Psalm 73. And I want to talk tonight on this thought, how to keep going when you feel like giving up. How to keep going when you feel like giving up. I want to open by reading one verse of Scripture from this chapter. Verse 2, Psalm 73, verse 2. Read from the New King James Version and then I'll read it from the New Living Translation. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. As for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. And then look how the New Living Translation reads. He says, but as for me, I almost lost my footing. My feet were slipping and I was almost gone. I lost my footing. My feet were slipping and I was almost gone. Have you ever felt like giving up on God? Have you ever felt like quitting? Have you ever felt like throwing in the towel and just say, I can't take it? No more. Have you ever felt like dropping out the race and no longer running? Have you ever reached a place in life where you become so discouraged, so frustrated, so aggravated with how things are in life, maybe so burdened down with life, so disappointed with life, maybe even disappointed with God that you just say, I feel like I'm slipping and I can't take it anymore. The truth is it can happen to any of us at any time because life is difficult, life is hard, life isn't always fair. I can promise you that if you live long enough, your faith will be tested, your faith will be challenged and you're going to have some difficult seasons in life. And here's the thing, sometimes seasons are hard. And I mean seasons. And I'm talking about seasons that aren't over in an hour. Seasons that aren't over in a day. But seasons that last weeks, months, and sometimes years. Now we can go through times in life, periods of life where, let's just be honest, where we go through dry seasons. Seasons of barrenness. Seasons where we aren't producing any fruit. Seasons where we pray and we see nothing. Seasons where we cry out to God and nothing's happening in our life. Where we seem to be going through the valley and we don't see a mountaintop in sight. The fact is, there's going to be times in our life that we're going to be challenged. Our faith is going to be tested. In fact, Warren Wiersbe, in his commentary, I read this many years ago and it's always stuck with me, but he said this, a faith that cannot be tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. And that is so true. That if your faith cannot be tested, then your faith cannot be trusted. Here in Psalm 73, it tells us the story of a godly man who felt his faith slipping away. In verse 2, it's, Asaph, he declared that he's losing his footing and he's at a point of almost giving up. And then in verses 13 and 14, he says this. He says, Surely I've cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocence. For all day long I've been plagued and chastened every morning. In those two verses, he says that serving God has 
been in vain, that serving God has been for nothing, that he doesn't see any good that has come from serving God. He doesn't see that he has gained anything by living for God and having a reverence for God. But I want to say to us tonight that the psalm doesn't stop it. Verse 14. It keeps going and by the end of the psalm, Asaph, he's back on solid ground and he's reaffirmed his commitment to God. And I'm going to say to you tonight, and I even want to preach to myself tonight, that you may be here and you're going through a difficult season. You've had a couple of hard weeks. You've had a couple of hard months. Maybe you've had a difficult past year and you're saying, Preacher, I don't know how much more I can handle. I don't know how much more I can take. Listen, it's not over yet because God is not through. Your story hasn't been written yet. God's still writing the story. And so don't give up. Keep moving on. From this psalm, I want to give you five things, five tips that I hope will encourage you to keep going when you feel like quitting. So tip number one is this. Believe in God's goodness. Believe in God's goodness. When you're discouraged, when you're depressed, when you're down in dumps and you say, I I feel like hanging up uh, uh, my running shoes and I don't know if I can keep on. You need to believe in God's goodness. In verse 1, it says this, Truly God is good to Israel, to such as are pure in heart. Asaph, he's been taught about the goodness of God. He has been taught that the Lord is nothing but good. Maybe as a child, he heard about how God delivered the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage. Maybe he heard how God provided for them and fed them and clothed them and protected them and fought the the battles for them. But he knows that God is good. He affirms in verse 1 that God is good. He is certain that the God he serves, the God that he worships is good. And here's the thing, he may be depressed, he may be discouraged, his feelings may be all over the place, but he knows that God is good. And I want to say to us tonight that our God is good. That even when your life is being shaken, when your life is being turned upside down, that when your life's falling apart and unraveling at the seams, God is still good. That when the storm surrounds you, when the winds are blowing, and when the waves are crashing against you, God is still good. Even when you get a bad report from the doctor, God is still good. That when sickness is ravaging your body, God is still good. That even when you don't have the money in the bank to pay the bills. God is still good. And when your kids are going crazy when they're wicked and when they're doing all sorts of vile things, God is still good. I want us to understand that even our circumstances may be bad, it does not change who God is. God is still good all the time and all the time God is still good. Hallelujah. How many believe that tonight? You might be going through hell on earth, but God is still good. You might be going through some of your most difficult times, but God is still good. You might be facing your darkest season you've ever faced, but God is still good. You might feel like the enemy is about to take you out. You might be feeling bruised and battered and broken and just saying, I I can't take no more. But listen, God is still good. He's good in the morning. He's good in the middle of the day. He's good at night. It doesn't matter what assails us. God is good. You see, we only think that God is good when things are good in our lives. 
I've come to find out, Sister Mary, He's good no matter when things are bad in my life. That when I'm in the depths of the valley, God's still good. That when I'm in the depths of hell, God is still good. That when darkness is closing in and enemies are surrounding me, God is still good. That when I don't know what to do, when I don't know which way to turn, when every option seems like a bad option, my God is still good. You believe that? If you want to keep going when you feel like giving up, you better believe that. Because if you doubt His goodness, you'll throw in the towel. Warren Wiersbe, he said this, when pondering the mysteries of life, hold on to what you know for sure and never doubt in the darkness what God has taught you in the light. Listen, when you get into those difficult times, when you get into those dark moments, you need to know what God has said to you in the light. You need to know what this book says to you about your God. Because the enemy is going to try to throw his fiery darts at you. He's going to try to attack your mind. And bring you down as low as he possibly can. But you just got to stand on the word of God. And say, I know what the Bible says. That my God is good. That my God is loving. That my God is faithful. My God is compassionate. And right now it may not be the best of circumstances. But I know I have a good God who's on my side. That he'll fight for me. And if, anything be, and, and if anything's against me, he'll be for me. Amen. Believe in God's goodness. But secondly. You've got to maintain the proper focus. You've got to maintain the proper focus. You see, we get in a lot of trouble when we start looking everywhere else but God. Don't we? That when our eyes begin to dart here and there and look all around, we get into all kinds of trouble. When we start looking at people, listen, you're going to get depressed. You start looking at yourself, you're going to get depressed. But if you'll look to God, you'll be blessed. You'll be encouraged. Look at verse 2 and verse 3. He said, As for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. And he tells us why. Notice, for, because. I was envious of the boastful. Notice this. When I saw the prosperity of the wicked. He tells us why he's beginning to slip, why he's beginning to stumble, why he's losing his footing. Because he got his eyes on the wrong people. In fact, he says, I became envious and I became jealous when I began to look at the ungodly. He looks at the wicked. He looks at the people who's profaning the name of God. He looks at the people who boast about the wickedness and boast about the proud. Who says, does God really know what I'm doing? If you read this text, you'll see that. that They wear their pride like a necklace around their neck. And they boast about their pride. They boast about their wickedness. And he looks at them and he becomes envious of these ungodly people. Because he sees their prosperity. He becomes jealous of their lifestyle. And starts doubting the goodness of God in his own life. Hear what I'm about to say. Nothing will lead to discouragement and frustration faster than taking our eyes off of Jesus and putting them on the world. You want to get down to the dumps? Look at the people of the world. And you'll get depressed. We're to keep our eyes on Jesus. 
We're to keep our eyes on God. We have to have the right focus. We have to have the right perspective about life. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 tells us this. Since we're surrounded by so great, so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us out, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. You want to run the race? You want to keep going? You want to keep persevering? Look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. It's dangerous to take our eyes off of Jesus. You see, Peter walked on the water as long as he kept his eyes on Jesus. But when he saw the wind and he looked at the waves, he began to go under. He began to sink. we got to keep our eyes on Jesus. You see, you'll get discouraged when you see the world doing better than you are. You'll get upset when you see ungodly people who don't want anything to do with God have it better than you. How many of them I'm talking about? But a person who's able to keep on keeping on will be disciplined enough to keep their focus on what matters. And we've got to keep our eyes on God. Keep our eyes on Jesus. Which leads me to a third thing. You have to accept that life isn't fair. have to accept that life isn't fair. Let's look at verses 3 through 5. I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Verse 4. For there are no pangs. That means pain. There's no pain in their death. Asaph, he's seen a lot of ungodly people die and he says they seem to die without any problems, without any pain. Their strength is firm. Verse 5. They are not in trouble as other men nor are they plagued like other men. Verse 7, their eyes bulge with fat, with abundance. They have more than heart could wish. He's talking about ungodly people. Look at verse 12. Behold, these are the ungodly who are always at ease. They increase in riches. He looks around and he sees the wicked prosper. They don't seem to have any problems. They don't seem to have any pain. He says they're healthy. They're strong. They don't have troubles like everybody else. He says there doesn't seem to be a single cloud in their sky. The sun's always shining. The sun's always smiling down on them as though they're favored by God Himself. He basically says everything seems to go their way. Even though they kind of talk about God, reject God, Want nothing to do with God? It's as though they have the Midas touch. Everything they touch turns to gold. But look at what he says about himself in verse 14. For all day long I've been plagued and chastened every morning. He says, I look at the wicked and I see them prospering. I see them healthy. They have all that their heart could wish for. I mean, they've got money in the bank. They've got good health. Their kids are in college. Their needs are met. Everything's good. But all day long, I'm afflicted. I'm plagued. And I've got problems. You know what he's saying? It's not fair. 
And how many would agree with me tonight that it's not fair? Because if we look around at our world, there seems to be a lot of ungodly people doing a lot of ungodly things who have it a lot better than we do. We're doing our best to try to serve God. I mean, let's be honest tonight. We serve God, do our best to follow Him, and we get the disease that can't be cured. While they can ravage their body with all kinds of ungodly things and seem to live the longest. They can thumb their nose at God and they get the promotion at work while we get overlooked. Life isn't always fair. And here's the thing. We've got to learn to accept that. Because God never told us it would be fair. Here's the thing. God is just. God is just. But life isn't fair. I wish that it was. I wish that when we put in our time of serving God, that God always blessed and God always did what we asked Him to do and what we wanted Him to do. But here's the thing. There are times we can live for Him, serve Him, follow Him, be devoted to Him, but still lose the home, still lose the job, and see marriages fall apart to Christian people. While ungodly people can live any way they want to, and their marriages last, and they get bigger homes and bigger cars, and seem to never have any problems. Life is not fair. And in verse 16, the psalmist said, when I thought how to understand this, it was too painful for me. Basically what he says, he says, when I tried to figure it all out, when I tried to wrap my mind around it, it was just too painful. I tried to get answers for it. I couldn't, get, I couldn't understand it. And that's the thing. We want answers. We want, to, we want to go to God and say, God, why am I doing my best to serve you and I'm struggling? While this one down here that's involved in, in a moral lifestyle seems to always get ahead. I mean, has ever been there? I mean, we, let's, let's just be honest. We often ponder the question, is there any good from being good? Have you ever thought about it? Has that ever run through your mind? Is there any good from being good? Maybe that's what he's dealing with. I've cleansed my heart in vain. I've washed my hands in innocence. Is there any good from being good? Is there any good from being godly? That's what he's wrestling with. And I don't know about you, but I've wrestled with it. Is there any good from serving God? Is there any good from walking in reverence to Him? Because it seems like sometimes we get the short end of the stick. And when you feel like that, it's easy just to say, I don't know if I want to keep going. But in order to keep going, you just have to accept that life isn't 
leads me to my fourth bit. Which helps us make sense of the last bit. You have to live for eternity. You see, life may not be fair, but here's the thing. I'm not living for this life. I'm living for eternity. You see, if all you do is live for this life, you'll be miserable. If all you do is live for this life, you'll be frustrated most of this life. But if you live for eternity, you might say, hey, yeah, this life ain't fair, but there's coming a payday someday for me. Hallelujah. How many believe that? I may not get my payday down here, but there's a payday coming someday for me. And there's a payday coming someday for them out there who reject God. And the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. I've got a payday coming. And it's going to be a good one. I've never had a mansion, but this book tells me i got one. I've never seen streets of gold, but it tells me I'm going to a place that has them. Amen? And here's the thing. I may never get totally healed down here of things that I have to go through, but I'm going to a place where I'll never have to see another doctor. I'll never have to take another pill. I'll never have to get another shot. I'll never have to deal with another injection. I'll go to a... I, listen, I don't know what it's going to be like. I don't know. God, God might make us all 20 years old again and give us perfect health. They, they, we don't know, but here's the thing. There'll be no sorrow. There'll be no sickness. There'll be no pain. There'll be no death. I won't have to look at a loved one again and say goodbye, but we'll live throughout eternity and we'll get to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We're going to have a payday someday. And so we live for eternity. We live for then. We don't live for now. And so I can accept that life isn't fair because I'm living for another world. Amen? Look at verse 17 through 19. In verse 16, he he said, "I, I tried to figure it all out, but it was too painful. But then he says, until I went into the sanctuary of God. Not to say there's something about coming to the house of God. You see, there's a lot of people who have the wrong perspective and the wrong way of looking at things. But it can, your perspective can change when you get to the house of God. When you get to the house of God, you can see things differently than you can out there. Amen. He said, I was confused by all the things I saw. You see, out there, he was looking at the wicked and how they prosper and how they seem to have no problems. But when he went to the house of God, he saw things differently. Amen? I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their end. He said, before I was blind when I looked at them, but now my eyes have been opened because I made a trip to God's house. And I tell you, there's something about being in God's house. It can open your eyes and help you see things better. Amen? And then verse number 18, look at it. Surely you set them in slippery places. You cast them down to destruction. Verse 19, Oh, how they are brought to desolation as in a moment. They are utterly consumed with terrors. He went to the sanctuary and he got a new perspective. He got a new way of looking at things. He was able to see things now with an eternal viewpoint. He understands that, hey, this life is not all there is. You see, in this world, life isn't fair. But he understood, hey, this life one day will be over and I'm going to another place. And he knows there's coming a day that all accounts are going to be settled. How many understand there's coming a day that everybody's going to give an account to God and accounts will be settled? You see, they might get to live it up down here. But if they don't know Jesus, it's going to be a horrible time 
when Jesus comes back. And so his eyes are open and he realizes that the wicked, they might have the best here, but all they have to look forward to is an eternity separated from God. Look at verse 27. He says, For indeed those who are far from you shall perish. You have destroyed all those who desert you for harlotry. All those that seem like to have it all in this world, those who say no to God, those who say no to Jesus, those who are unfaithful to God for the things of this world, he says they will perish. You see, there's coming a day that the ungodly people of this world will face God in judgment. But notice what Asaph has to say about his future. Verse 23 and 24. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold me by my right hand. You will guide me with your counsel. And afterward, notice this, receive me to glory. You see, he realized that even in the midst of his trials, he'd never been alone. That even when he couldn't see God, God had been holding his And that God had always been there from day one. And one day God would take him to glory. God would one day take him to heaven. You see, the fact that God is always with us is a blessing that's beyond description. It means that we're never alone. We never have to go through life by ourselves. That means in every valley, in every illness, in every situation in life, we have the presence of God to sustain us and comfort us. It reminds me of the Bible, the verse in the Bible that tells us that God is a very present help in time of trouble. That God doesn't leave us when things get bad. Amen? You see, I've got people that have left me when things got bad. There'll be Christian people that'll leave you when things get bad. But God's always present, even when trouble comes, when storms show up, God will be there. When you get the bad news from the doctor, God will be there. When you don't know what to do at night and you can't reach nobody else, God will be there. He's a, oh, he's a very present help in time of trouble. That when the storm is raging and nobody else can come, and God will be there walking on the water. That when you look out and the darkness is surrounding you and you don't know which way to go, God can shine the light into your situation and help you get through it because He is a very present at help in time of trouble. Listen, I don't know what you're going through tonight and I don't know how long you've been going through but I know that God has never left you. Right now, you may not see Him. Right now, you may not feel Him. Right now, He might be in audible and you can't hear His voice but hear me, God's always there. In fact, some of you have been thinking, God, where have you been? God, I can't feel you. God, I can't hear you. God, I can't touch you but here's the thing. You may feel like you're all alone but God has been there. In fact, I want to tell you not for some of you, God has been carrying you God has lifted you up and God has brought you to where you are because you wouldn't have made it this far had God not been the one bringing you through it. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We bless you, Lord, in this place. Oh, lift your hands and let's worship Him for a moment. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. 
Hallelujah, hallelujah. You had come this far by yourself. You've come because God has been the one that's brought you. Your strength hadn't brought you here. Your ingenuity hadn't brought you here. Your willpower hadn't brought you here. It's been the power of God. It's been the strength of God. It's been the help of God. Because some of you couldn't have made it this far had it not been for God. Some of you have only made it here tonight because God gave you the strength to get here. Ever since you said yes to Jesus, the enemy's been trying to take you out. He's, he's had a bullseye on your back, been trying to destroy you, been trying to take from you, and you're still here. Yes, you might be bruised. Yes, you might be battered. Yes, you might be weary. Yes, you might be tired. But God's been there every step of the way. God's been there upholding you. God's been there holding your hand. God's been there walking with you through it all. I'm reminded of David. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Even death doesn't scare him. In fact, let me just say this. When you read that verse, it says it's the valley of the shadow of death. It doesn't say it's death. It says it's the shadow of death. But do you know something? You can't have a shadow unless you've got the presence of light. <laughs> Woo! That means even in you're in the valley, He's there because you can't have a shadow unless you've got light casting on you to have a shadow. I mean, He's right there. And notice that David said, I'm not here to stay in this valley. But yea, though I walk through the valley. I want to tell you to you tonight, you're going through what you're in. I'll say it just the way I feel it. If you're going through hell, just keep going. And eventually you're going to get through it. Don't stop. Just keep walking. And you'll get through it. Because wherever where we are, He is. Because the psalmist also tells us, even if I make my bed in the depths of hell, he's there. Can't get away from him. You can't lose him. You can't listen. You think the president has great security? We as believers have the greatest security in all the world. You can't shake God. Hallelujah. Oh, I'm not sure. Oh, I bless you. Oh, I'm not living for this world. I'm tired of living for this world. Oh, I want to see Jesus face to face. Oh, here in this text, Asaph, he realizes, hey, there's storms, there's problems. The ungodly are prospering, but one day I'll see Jesus face to face. He'll take me home to glory. He knows that God will get him through this life and he'll take him to the life to come. We're to live for eternity, church. Like Abraham, we're to be looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. I pray today, God, help me not to live so for this world that I get attached to it, that I get anchored to it, but help me to live for the world to come. We're just passing through, church. We're strangers in a strange land. Let me give you this one final thing. 
You need to believe God is all you need. You need to believe God is all you need. 1st 25 and 26. He says, Whom have I in heaven but you? And there's none upon earth that I desire beside you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. He says, God's all I need. God's all I need. He said, my flesh might fail, my strength might fail, but God is the strength of my heart. God is my portion. God is everything that I need. I want you to understand tonight that when you have God and that's all you have, you have more than enough. You have everything that you need when you have Him. He is the great I Am. So whatever you need, He is. He's our refuge. He's our strength. He's our comforter. He's our healer. He's our provider. Whatever. Fill in the blank. That's what He is. And when you want nothing but Him, you'll see that you want for nothing. Amen. Let me say that again. When you want nothing but Him, He'll see that you want for nothing. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Psalm 37, 4 tells us to light yourself in the Lord and He'll give you the desires of your heart. It means when we want God, He'll give us the desires of our heart. Why is that? Because when you want Him, you'll want what He wants. And He'll meet those desires. Matthew 5 and 6, I believe it is, tells us that blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. When we want Him, and only Him, He'll meet the needs of our lives. You have to believe that God is all that you need. In closing, look at verse 28. He says, It is good for me draw near to God. It is good for me to draw near to God. We can say amen to that, can't we? Some translations read, God's presence is my good. And I'd say amen to that too. Listen, His presence does us good. But it is good to draw near to God. He said, I've put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all your works. He's now back on steady ground. At the beginning, he's looking at the ungodly and he's wondering, is it even worth serving God? But now he says, it's good to be near God. And I've put my trust in Him. At the beginning of the psalm, he's questioning whether or not it's even worth following after God. But now he's basically saying, there's nothing better than following God. I wonder tonight, do we have any Asaphs present? I'm sure we do. Most of us, if not all of us, have been discouraged. And you may be there tonight. Feel like giving up. 
take, I can't take no more. The load's too heavy, the burden's too heavy. And I can't carry it no more. I would challenge you to do what Asaph did. Keep talking to God about your situation. Tell God how you feel. I want to say to everyone in this house, listen to me closely. You can take your frustrations to God. And God can handle it. You say, God can't handle how I feel. Listen, read the book of Psalms. And you can see that God can handle how we feel. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? I know that David was saying that and prophesying it for Jesus. But David was also praying that, saying it to God. God, why have you forsaken me? But here's the thing. He didn't just say, God, God, why have you forsaken me? He said, my God, why have you forsaken me? He wasn't talking to some random God out there. He said, my God, why have you forsaken me? He had a personal relationship. And why, my God, why have you forsaken me? Ever felt that way? You can go to God and talk that way. I think it's around Psalm 13. How long, O Lord? How long am I going to be afflicted? How long are you going to turn a deaf ear? I pray that. Tell God how you feel. It's okay. He can handle it. But also I would suggest you to ask God to give you eyes to see things from a different perspective. Say, God, help me to see things the way you see things. Because if you keep seeing them the way you've always seen them, you're always going to be discouraged. Because we see our problems and all we see is I want relief. When God might be trying to do something there. And you need to try to see what God's trying to do in your life. And so God, give me eyes to see. In fact, the Bible tells us in James 1.5, If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. And in the context, he's talking about trials, isn't he? James 1. Consider it pure joy when you fall into diverse temptations, trials. You gotta let trials have their perfect work. You gotta let them. You gotta let them work. You gotta let them do what they're supposed to do. And in that context, verse five: If, if you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Why would he talk about asking God for wisdom in the context of trials? Because often in trials we don't know what to do with them, and you need to ask God. God, give me wisdom to know what to do in this trial. Because we want to run from them, and we want to pray, God, deliver me out of this. And God says. Ask God for wisdom to know what to do with that. But then finally, I pray that God would give us boldness and confidence and faith that we could declare as they have, I've put my trust in the Lord God. That God is all I need and I've put my trust in Him. I want you to stand with me.